Welcome to It's Broadway, bitch. I'm Alana. I'm the Broadway. I'm Christina. I'm the bitch. This is a podcast where I, Alana, the theater expert, explain the plot of a musical to Christina, the willfully ignorant. Christina will weigh in on her initial thoughts. Then we'll go watch the musical with varying degrees of sobriety. We then reconvene and Christina gives us the hot take. Are you, are you ready for Hamilton? I think so. I, that's been the thing that everyone's asked me this entire week. Anytime I've talked about this, every single person yeah. has been like, have you seen Hamilton? Are you ready for Hamilton? What do you think about Hamilton? And the answer is probably. Yeah, um, it's, it's dense. Yes. I think I'm ready. Katie loves it, my sister. And I know that you love it and you've made me listen to it several times. Yeah. Um, not the whole musical, but several of the songs. Yeah. I mean, it's long and dense like Into the Woods, but there are mm-hmm. things about it where you, I think you might like it. I feel like I know what you won't like and I know what you will like. That's, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I know that it's also like one of your top, I'm going to say 10, because I, sh- I feel like there's a lot of different genres that have specific places in your heart. Yeah. That I know when it came out, you were all about it. Yeah. And then you've continued to enjoy it immensely yes. since then. So go ahead and tell me what I need to know about this. All right. So are you ready for your next assignment? <sighs> yeah. Perfect. It is time. It is time for you to join the cultural zeitgeist because Hamilton is real big right now. At the time that we are filming this, it just came out a couple of days ago on Disney Plus. So it's Mm -hmm. just now been made available for streaming. Uh, By the time this airs, I don't know how long it will be on. But as of right now, it is the hot ticket item. It is all the internet wants to talk about. And I'm forcing you to be a part of it now. I'm all about that. I I love being forced into community. (laughs) Perfect. Shall we talk about the plot? Do you know the plot? Because it's history. So I know a little (laughs) bit of the history. I'm going to be honest. History was my least favorite subject through all of school. And I was really bad at it because I don't care. But I know a little bit about it because I cared a little bit about the founding of the nation. And I thought that Alexander Hamilton was kind of the worst. So He's not not that. Yeah. Um, Well, I won't go into like huge detail of it. But, you know, it's the general story of Alexander Hamilton, the founding father, helped write some of the Constitution, uh, Mm -hmm. was a big shot lawyer, was the very first Secretary of Treasury, famously died in a duel with Aaron Burr. Yes. And while this does- Federalist papers. Yes. Yeah. And he like was very about the most important, most educated people in society deciding what was good for all of society kind of thing. And while he was like a political guy, obviously, Uh because he's a politician- Hamilton the musical focuses less on like the actual work that he does mm-hmm. and focuses more on his relationship with Aaron Burr. Um, they really dramatize the relationship that they had um, where you mm-hmm. really see like, I don't know how true it really was, especially because Aaron Burr himself was like kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. He has like been famously documented to like, he killed Hamilton and he didn't really care. He like did not feel any sort of remorse for it. But at least in Hamilton, the whole thing is actually framed in the narration of Aaron Burr. So they turn him into like a guy who's generally good and has like a general, like it starts as a friendly rivalry between Burr and Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And by the end, he sort of gets pushed to the point and kind of accidentally kills him as opposed to like choosing to and not feeling bad about it. Okay. Um, But it focuses more on A, the relationship between them and then- Mm -hmm. 
the relationship between Hamilton and his wife, Eliza Schuyler, Elizabeth Schuyler, goes by mm-hmm. Eliza, and then her other sisters, uh, Angelica and sort of Peggy. So it's less about his like political work and more how he got there and more how he was interacting with other people. And they sort of erase the parts that are bad about him and praise him as like a scrappy young immigrant who uh, fought for his country, was so ambitious to the point that it was kind of his downfall. But like general plot, he immigrates from the Caribbean meets Aaron Burr. I don't know why I didn't expect you to say from the Caribbean, but I did not expect you to say from the Caribbean. Well, he's from, I'm losing exactly where. He's Uh, from old timey times. But he comes from... Like English people? Well, he he comes from the Caribbean. Okay. He's like an immigrant. Part of the colonized Caribbean of the time. Yeah, and he's super poor. His uh, parents die. He's an orphan. He raises enough money to go to New York so he can like make a new life. And that's where he meets Aaron Burr. He meets a few other revolutionaries because he gets there in like 1776 conveniently. (laughs) He is a very smart boy, very good writer, uh, Mm -hmm. wants to join the revolution, meets Mm -hmm. George Washington. Oh, um, what team is like a military leader. Um, And Hamilton really, really wants to lead a battalion. He wants to fight. He wants to like get a sword and get out there. What's the definition of a battalion? Like know? a squad of army. Okay. Well, <laughs> a squad of army. Army. Listen, for those of you who aren't listening, I don't care about the military tactics that exist and neither does Alana. So there you go. Yeah. Um, the important part is that he wants to like get out onto the field and fight. He wants because, to have some glory for that too because he yeah. wants to be in charge. And because he's so good at writing, George Washington takes a liking to him because he's like a bright young lad, but mm-hmm. always keeps him by his side to do like the writing and administrative stuff because mm-hmm. he's more useful that way. Yeah. But he's eventually given a little more responsibility. He, um, oh, over Aaron Burr, he is rewarded. And Aaron Burr also wants the same thing, but keeps getting rejected in favor of Hamilton every time. Um, so they, they win the war. Uh, they beat the British. It's very exciting. Hamilton marries Eliza. There's a little bit of a thread where um, Angelica wanted to be the one that marries Hamilton. They're a little more intellectually compatible. Um, mm-hmm. It's really funny if you ever read the book. There's like a very famous biography on Hamilton that uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda read and was like, I got to make a musical about this. Right. But it says that like Angelica and Hamilton were actually the ones that probably should have gotten married. They were always very close. They were more of intellectual equals. Uh-huh. Whereas Eliza, while very sweet and very lovely and very mm-hmm. wonderful, just didn't quite yeah. measure up in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but Angelica knew that she as the oldest daughter needed to marry up and Hamilton was like a poor guy with no sort of social clout. So he let them marry while she had to like marry a rich guy. And that is sort of a thread that always keeps coming in and out. Oh. Yeah, right. That's, oh, I I don't like that for a lot of different reasons. Um, It seems like Eliza is getting kind of the short end of the stick on that too, because like she's marrying someone who actively thinks she's dumb. And that's not fun. That's not fun to be with someone who doesn't think that you are very intelligent. I think it's less that he thinks that she's dumb, mm-hmm. but it's Angelica thinking that she's dumb. And mm-hmm. so she sort of orchestrates this whole thing because Hamilton, while he loves Eliza, mm-hmm. was also just kind of looking to marry any Schuyler sister at the time. Yeah, because they were well-to-do. Yeah, as expressed in the show. Sure. Um, 
And like they come to love each other and ends up being fine. But Angelica is the one who's always kind of like, I kind of let him marry my dumb sister because I wanted him, but I can't because I'm smart and I understand the world. So I have to suffer because I'm smart. And- it's so hard to be so privileged and intelligent. Right. I'm sorry. Um, I know so- that this is like a real thing that someone went through, but like, ugh. no, it's all good. Continue. But yeah, so they win the war. Uh, they beat mm-hmm. the British. George Washington becomes president. Hamilton becomes a lawyer and also secretary of treasury. Mm-hmm. And he is very instrumental in writing the Constitution, getting all that shit together, making the nation a nation. It's at that point where Thomas Jefferson is introduced. Thomas Jefferson comes back from France, and the two of them are always like sort of fighting for dominance. I um, know weird political facts about Thomas Jefferson, but I can't get to any right now. The things that I'm thinking of are specifically Benjamin Franklin specific, who at this point was like an older older man. Yeah, an um, older gentleman. An older gentleman. I'm pretty sure it was Benjamin Franklin who had like sexy, sexy calves because like at the time sure. at the time it was a style to wear like the tights and then like the pantaloons that were like above to the knee basically. And so like the calf muscle was a particularly sexy arousing place of a, of a man's body. And Still I just is. know that <laughs> I know how I like my men with a lot of baby calves. I expected you to laugh at that, and you didn't. I laughed. No, fine. I laughed internally. Thank you. That's all I wanted. <laughs> Thanks for condescending to my level. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, that's all I know about Benjamin Franklin, aside from, like, the important stuff, is that he was kind of a womanizer, and he was kind of an asshole. And same with Thomas Jefferson. He was, like, the worst. Oh, Thomas Jefferson had an entire thing with – no, that's Thomas Jefferson. I'm lying. I'm a liar. Who what, lies? Electric- electrocuting elephants? No, I was going to say the whole thing with Nikolai Tesla in that, like, he essentially, because Thomas Edison did the direct currents. That's what he he is famous for, like, inventing, and he established, like, the power supply company that supplied power to all of, like, the major cities when electricity was first established. Um, but Nikolai Tesla was coming up at the same time, and he developed the alternating currents, which worked much better because there are a lot of things, there are a lot of issues with the direct currents, one of which being that it couldn't go very far, um, and it couldn't, it needed, like, a large... I believe, no, um, I'm a liar, but essentially your electronics all take direct currents and you have this adapter from the alternating currents that come to your house. That's why a lot of like things require those like outlets to the wall that are big and bulky and why your computer has like a big thing in the middle. It's a transformer. But Thomas Edison took Nikolai Tesla under his wing as an apprentice. Nikolai Tesla gave him all of his ideas and was like, this is a much better way to run your electricity empire. And Edison was like, thanks, gave zero credit. And then basically put Tesla on his ass. And Tesla, being the genius, he was dealt with like a lot of mental illness. Like he was in love with a pigeon. Several different points. <laughs> yeah. Like romantically involved with a pigeon. And Lucky pigeon. <laughs> or unlucky because King Pin's consent. I don't think so. But yeah, Nikolai Tesla like obviously had different faults, but was ultimately like believed that people should, people were deserving of this excellent invention because it would make the world a better place. And he died poor and alone with Thomas Edison basically using the invention um, and him never collecting any money. And it's very sad. (laughs) But Benjamin Franklin had sexy caps and had sex with a lot of women and he wrote the the constitution. Uh, You should call it Lin-Manuel Miranda. I think that's his next musical. I think so. The Tesla... Edison's story is very interesting, and it's been covered very extensively by a lot of different sources, and I probably got some stuff wrong, but the gist of it is uh, Edison's the worst, and Nikolai Tesla is a sweet baby. He's not German. What is he? He's Polish? He's not. He's Listen, he's old-timey times. 
He is old timey times. <laughs> Nikolai sounds Eastern European, so that's probably not he German. Is Eastern, yeah, yeah, Poland probably is probably not. closer. Well, that's not really yeah. Eastern European either, but oh, uh, it's kind of Russian, maybe something like I Baltic. Should, I should probably know this. I know I should know scientists better than I do. Yeah, um, fine. sorry for that whole diverging. <laughs> Cut that out. Yes, but uh, Christina hates history. <laughs> I. No specific tidbits of history, and that's it. I was paying attention for like one second of history every four years. So, anyway, so Hamilton. Hamilton. Um, <laughs> but well, the Constitution is written. They've gotten all that shit taken care of for the most part. They're doing government stuff. But you know, there's there's clearly some infighting. We've got like Team Hamilton, who has a very specific view on a few certain different political issues, and then we've got like. James Madison and Jefferson and Burr, who are all sort of on like the other side. And they're like always button heads. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hamilton is involved in the first ever political sex scandal where mm. he bangs Mariah Reynolds and sort of gets extorted for money in the context of the show. Um, I'm unclear of how much of that is true because it's all clearly skewed. The first American political sex scandal, I think, is probably because there's a lot of like that's the entirety of European history and probably Chinese history, but I don't know. Did I not I say American? That. You did not. You just said history. Oh. <laughs> oh no, the first American political scandal for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and so there's our an entire church based off of a sex scandal. So, um, like Jefferson and Madison and Burr sort of like confront him. And mm-hmm. they're like, hey, we know this information about you. You can quit or we'll go public with it. Yeah. And he's like, fuck you. I'll go public with it. Um, and he goes public with it. And he publishes his own like confession where he like tells all the newspapers like, I fucked this girl and I paid her money so that she'd shut the fuck up. And oh, my he, God. No. That, yeah, that absolutely I happened. didn't realize that that happened. I'm like so curious to read the actual papers now. I'm sure. Yeah. And he's still like hanging out in politics. So like. Aaron Burr in I particular mean, is like, why does this keep fucking happening? I mean, um, same same with our current president. So. And that's when Hamilton's son, Philip, hears someone like talking shit about his dad, like out in town. And he's like, don't talk shit about my dad. I'm going to challenge you to a duel. And oh, so they no. duel and he loses and he dies. Oh, um, no. And so um, Hamilton sort of retires from public life at that point mm-hmm. to A, grieving death the death of his, of his son. Yeah. And also he has to like work things out with the wife that he cheated on. Uh-huh. So they're and out of the publicly public like shamed because that would have been a very shameful thing for him to admit and it would have reflected poorly on her. Yeah. Time. And then in the meantime, George Washington is about to step down from president because he's like, I don't want to be king. I need to end the term. Yeah. Um, so other people are going to have to run for president. That's already happened, I think. So he does that. And then I think James Madison is the second president. Mm-hmm. And then it's around this time where they're about to do the third president, which is Thomas mm-hmm. Jefferson versus Aaron Burr. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all campaigning and they do the election and it's a tie. And they're like, we got to get somebody, you know, he's been out of the game for a long time, but the people really value the political opinion of uh, Hamilton. So we need him to make some kind of public statement. He needs to endorse a candidate. And he, even though has he's been fighting with him forever, Hamilton endorses Jefferson. Because Aaron Burr's whole thing mm-hmm. is that where Hamilton's whole entire political philosophy is like, you got to get in there and you need to have strong opinions on strong things and you cannot back down and you have to shut everybody else down that does not agree with you and you have to be aggressive with it. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Burr's entire thing through the whole show is like, you got to wait for it. You got to hold your cards close to your chest. You got to sit down and be quiet and listen so mm-hmm. that when you do talk, it's more important. Um, you need to make sure that you're playing the side that's winning so that you can rise up eventually after biding your time, biting your tongue, and playing the game right. 
And so mm-hmm. Hamilton cites in his endorsement of Jefferson, like even though we've never got along ever, uh, Jefferson clearly stands for stuff and Aaron Burr stands for fucking nothing. He just oh, hangs out and is quiet. Them and fighting words. Aaron Burr is fucking pissed. And so they write like a series of letters back and forth where Aaron Burr's like, look, dude, how actually how fucking dare you? Uh, <laughs> why did you fucking do this? Did you really mean it? And Hamilton's like, yeah, bitch, I meant it. And Aaron Burr's like, you're going down, bitch. And that's what's in my actual history notes from this era. Is yeah, I'm reading from, yeah, I'm reading fucking. a textbook right now, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, And Hamilton's like, you're fucking on, let's fucking duel. And so then they go duel, and we know the ending from there. Hmm. You want me to, like, go into the specifics of it? This might I, be, like, an after-you-watch situation. That's because, fine. I know that Hamilton dies. It doesn't, I don't But, like, the important distinction is that, like, what actually happened in history. It, yeah, it's like, Aaron Burr and this is presenting it it's presenting it as if he's defending his honor and like he didn't really have a choice because otherwise he would have been seen as a pussy and he was like well sort of um because the way it was in actual history Mm -hmm. is that he just like shot him and then didn't feel bad um even though he had to like go into exile the way it happens in the show is hamilton chooses not to shoot him he shoots up to the sky because that's what quote-unquote men of honor do and there is speculation that aaron burr was like a really bad shot and like a really bad gun guy and Mm -hmm. he tried to shoot the gun but not at hamilton he tried to like shoot him in a way that scared him but missed him and he like wasn't wearing his glasses and because he was so bad at shooting he like accidentally shot him in the stomach and killed him and it was an accident which is probably not what happened well okay i i I can't know. First of all, I haven't done any reading. I'm not a historian on this. But the few things I do know about like pre like modern gun engineering is that like stuff was whack, you know? It was hard to shoot handguns and rifles like were very not rifles, I guess they had like muskets at that time. Maybe I'm wrong. Someone's gonna be like, hey, fucker. <laughs> this is the history of guns. You need to know what timeline everything was in. But like to my knowledge, it's not unreasonable to expect that guns would be like have like a shit ton of kickback and be fairly imprecise and someone who is like horrible with guns wouldn't i don't know it's if you're being raised with guns it's like part of your regular routine i feel like you practice and stuff i don't know i conflicted but yeah so that's hamilton i skipped over a lot of the details um that's fair but like it's it's history yeah i could look it's it up history, if I cared to history light some of it yeah. is obviously heavily dramatized I think a big one is that in the musical, Hamilton is very much on the side of abolishing slavery, and I'm pretty sure that he owned slaves. So I think yeah, that that's I'm actually sure something that's not true. I think that he was kind of on board with slavery. <laughs> um, to my knowledge, there was no one. They were like, it was an afterthought. The abolition of slavery was definitely an afterthought for the Constitution, which is shameful. It's yeah. a sad thing that like 16 white men decided what would be good for all of America, what has turned out to be for over 200 years. But I don't think it was, it was definitely not intended to be 200 years and intent doesn't matter when people hurt. But yeah, no, this is a, I'm excited to see this. I think I'm going to feel similarly about Hamilton to as I feel right now, which is like, I'm, I think that I'm going to enjoy a lot of it. I think the music will be great. I don't think that I will come out liking anyone in particular. I think probably, because all of the characters are complex real people and that also have like good and bad and are different aspects of personalities that I don't necessarily like like or get along with or like 
personify social expectations that I don't agree with. I will have issues with (laughs) representation of probably female bodies, not female bodies, but female presenting people in the play. And then I, but I'm, I'm expecting to have an overall enjoyable time, if that makes sense. Yeah. um, There are a lot of things about it that are very spectacular. And there's a lot to look at. There's Mm -hmm. a lot happening. Is there a lot of dancing? I'm excited. I want to know. I have some very strong opinions on the choreography. Okay. So you'll share with me later or now? I'll share with you later. The moral of it is that I don't necessarily like it. It's not what I would do, but I get, like, it's all very intentional. Okay. Um, It's very well crafted, but I personally don't like it. And I'll talk about exactly what that means when you have a sense of what it is. Okay. Yeah, because that um, just confused me a little bit more. I also, the, the thing with Hamilton also is that it's some very charismatic, very talented actors playing mm-hmm. some shitty people. So it can be hard to separate the two. Yeah, I, I understand. I, I think I get what you're saying. Yeah. I'll probably feel similarly once I watch it. Uh, but yeah, Hamilton, uh, welcome uh. to the zeitgeist. I'm excited. I'll let you know how I feel very quickly. Um, Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Thanks for keeping me in the loop. Hey, listeners. Alana and I make no money from this currently, and we would like to because we have fun doing it. And in order to keep up our subscriptions and watch things legally, we got to pay for them. So here's an ad of someone who does not sponsor us, but of someone we would like to sponsor us because we either already use their products or want to try them. Listen, Fenty, let's talk because Rihanna, I got titties and I wouldn't mind having the material embodiment of your hands supporting these tits. Sponsor us. I don't know about you guys, but since quarantine has started, I have been (laughs) drinking a lot and I really like wine. So a service that I've been using is Bright Cellars, which is a wine subscription service. They are not sponsoring me, but I sure would like to be sponsored by them because I'm a big consumer of their products. So when you first sign up for Bright Cellars, you take a quick little quiz that sort of analyzes your favorite flavor profile. It's questions like, what's your favorite kind of chocolate, milk, dark, or white? And uh, are you more of a coffee or a tea person? So little questions like that, that just sort of get to know the root of the things that you like. And then they recommend a selection of five different wines that they send to you in a big old box. Um, And they ask if you have preferences for white or red, or if you want to choose something that's a little more safe, or if you want to try a wine that's a little more um, exciting and novel, Um, or you can just ask them to surprise you and they just give you something that they think that you would like. And they send them to you and they give you very clear instructions on like exactly how to store the wine and what temperature you should be chilling wines. And did you know that you're actually supposed to chill red wines a little bit before you drink them? I did not actually know that. I thought it was supposed to be room temperature always and that cold red wine was bad. But I learned from Bright Cellars that you actually are supposed to chill it for a couple of minutes depending on how full-bodied or the medium or the finish. See, I'm learning all sorts of wine words to enjoy it at its most flavorful, you know? Uh, so if you like wine, Bright Cellars is for you. Sponsor us. Hashtag not sponsored, but hashtag would like to be. For all of you at home, Alana has this horrible habit of anytime I take a sip of anything, <laughs> saying the worst possible thing and making me spit. And she specifically has this habit <laughs> when I'm drinking shots with her 
and I've never once completed the kind of shot. It's my because, superpower. Because it'll get halfway down my throat. It's like I'm sucking your metaphorical dick and you gag me. I want to swing an outtake after the episode ends. You know, because uh, I'm a big, like, laugh crier. But I yeah. just, in this minute, just bypassed laughing and I went straight <laughs> to crying. <laughs> oh my god, at the sucking your dick thing. I just, uh, I skipped the laugh and now there are tears. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we just skipped like three minutes worth of lead up. <laughs> Jesus. Although Jesus because- is not here with us right now. No, <laughs> Jesus no, no, is no, jump no, ship. Not. I kind of want to, I want to know before I tell you how I feel about it, Hamilton, your expectations of what I'm going to say. I think it's not going to be your favorite thing that we've seen, or I think it's going to be a little bit of like, I don't quite understand the hype. I don't quite see why people lost their shit over it. Uh, I think you're going to think it's like a little overrated. I think you're going to think Lin-Manuel Miranda is really annoying. That's like the big thing. I think you are going to like it. I think you're going to think it's a little too long. Um, and it's trying a little too hard, but you didn't hate it. That's what I think. Get ready to eat your own cock because <laughs> I fucking loved it. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's better. No, everyone wins if you fucking loved it. So I have some like really in-depth feelings on it, but I watched it um, with like several glasses of wine in. Um, <gasps> Even well, better. I watched it like one glass of wine in. But throughout the entire thing, you drink like 40 glasses. And for me, I'm just the epitome of a lightweight. I have zero tolerance. I cannot build a tolerance. So one glass gets me tipsy. Four glasses gets me blackout drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I did not black out. Um, I've never blacked out. But like, I, I got, I was pretty tipsy and I was really enjoying myself. But I watched it with my housemate, C Money. And she, so I live in near a really big city. And the company that is like touring is the wrong word but like putting on the play like they're they're doing a big spectacle like come see Hamilton there's a lottery that you can sign up for where you submit your name and then you can like win I think it's two tickets for ten dollars each and she had won it and she'd gone and seen it in person in our city and she had come back and been like ah I don't get the hype so when I went to watch it I started watching it by myself because I knew that she already felt that way about it and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I got assigned this. Can I watch it? And she was like, well, I want to watch it with you. Yeah. And she came away from it feeling similarly where she was like, I think it's good. I just don't think it's like worth dying for. But I disagree. And I have very strong opinions about it. I'm so happy. <laughs> so please keep in mind that I have not watched. I watched it like a week ago and I have not refreshed. And I think that that's better. <laughs> Because the things that stick out to me are going to stick out really strongly. And my sister and you both have, like, I think you guys both have a similar favorite song. I'm sure that yours has probably evolved, but it's the um, Toast That Angelica. Is that the sister? Yeah. Um, uh, the, this is what it feels like to match with someone at your level. Yeah. But that one? Satisfied. Yeah, that one. yeah. Yeah, I think that that one is your favorite song and my sister's favorite song. She thinks it's great. Uh, my sister has also seen it, but also liked the soundtrack before she ever saw it and like played it for me. And I was like, get the fuck out of my life. But I, I think I have cracked why it's enjoyable. And I have very specific opinions about like the casting and Lin-Manuel and Miranda because like you're not entirely off. I don't think that Lin-Manuel Miranda has like the best voice. 
and you I can't think, see, but I'm nodding. Yeah. And I don't think that he's like the hottest person in the world. Correct. Um, which is funny because he's playing like this playboy fucker. He's a much but, better older Hamilton. He had a hard time selling me on being like young 17 yeah. year old Hamilton and young like 23 year old Hamilton. Yeah. But he sold me on older Hamilton with kids. Um, and the thing that, because I've, so I listened to like a lot of podcasts and he's been famous for quite a while because this came out in what, like 2015, 2014. Yeah. So and like it's not is, his first musical. Yeah. He had, was a Tony winner at that point. Already. Yeah, he has quite a bit of notoriety. So he had been on a podcast that I had listened to where he like talked about the development and he clearly like put a lot into this. Um, I assume that he wrote like, I think the whole thing is like he wrote the music, he wrote the like character, he like did it after reading this book and he clearly wrote this with himself in mind for playing Hamilton, which is totally fine. Like, I think that that is something that is really common. I know that you as like a sketch comedy writer, you often write sketches for yourself. I sure do. <laughs> which, by the way, if any of you have the pleasure of ever seeing any of her sketches, brilliant, brilliant work. So Thank so you. Good. You're welcome. And so like, I totally understand it from that aspect. I think the casting is incredible. I thought the casting was really good. It's interesting because at this point, I've already watched Into the Woods. And I think based off of my lack of enjoyment from Into the Woods, it was very obvious to me why you would think I would not like this. Because it's a very long show. And it's not quite as, it's not three hours. It's like two-ish, something like that. But I feel like it is more action-packed. Like every single second has a plot that is moving forward. Because they're condensing someone's entire life into two hours of action. whereas. Into the Woods, there a lot of the songs that are there, they're just to expound upon feelings that have already been established. And I don't care about that at all. Whereas <laughs> the plot devices for moving the play forward in Hamilton are within the music. And it's much more of like an opera almost than it is a musical yeah, to me. Because there's, there's really no dialogue at really all. There's really no dialogue. And everyone interacts through the singing, I think the reason that it calls to so many people, specifically like our age range, which is like millennials, elder millennials, and like what's right before us, Gen X? Yeah. Gen Xers, is because it's incredibly referential of like 90s hip hop and like 90s hip hop stars. Specifically, I was thinking of like Angelica's Toast to the Groom and to the Bride as like a very like TLC Destiny's Child inspired number and I I highly relate to that because like while I was an infant during like the renaissance of hip-hop in the 90s and like I never really developed a taste for like a lot of the more prevalent artists at that time because I was five years old and my parents weren't gonna listen let me listen to like Lil Kim or Biggie <laughs> Smalls or Tupac like at that point I, I had to do my listening later it is very referential of that style of music and um to like the early 2000s style of hip-hop where it's like say as many words as you can as fast as you can that make sense that rhyme and have it like progress the song forward and I think that that is something that is really well used and is really fun for the listener I also had subtitles on while I watched it just because, like, I wasn't... Yeah, and there are just, so many words. You miss there's them. There's so many words. Um, and they're but all it helped. perfect. You they're know, all they're perfect. all beautifully crafted. They're all intentional. There's no, like, he trimmed off all... I know it's like a monster show and it's really long, but he's trimmed off all the fat. Everything is essential. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that separates it for me from Into the Woods is that Into the Woods, it's very repetitive for the tune because it's trying to lace every all these multiple plot lines together and there's a lot of fat there's a lot of unnecessary stuff if you can take i have i think that if not that any youth shows would ever do hamilton because there's like a lot of 
Oh, give it five years, five, <laughs> 10 years. Hamilton Jr., all the high schools are going to do it. It's going to be a nightmare. I, I, find, I think that it'll be a lot harder to trim Hamilton into a condensed play because it's already so condensed than it would be to trim Into the Woods because there's already so many things that, like, off the bat, I can cut Rapunzel and Into the Woods. I don't give a shit about Little Riding Hood. Like, I know that it's important to the plot, but, like, they don't need to have as big a part as they do. You've already told me that, like, so many things are easy to cut. The the forest troll in Into the Woods, aka Baker's dad, like, there like, are so What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> there are so many things that are just trying to lace the story together, whereas in Hamilton, we are following one person through his life and that is the we don't need to lace it together because we already have that and i'm weirdly enough familiar with (laughs) the american and french revolutions which i think i've established previously i don't know why i don't know why they've stuck with me but like i am familiar with hamilton as a character i'm familiar with almost everyone else i have something for you hold on i have to pull it up that i think you will like and i need to Pull up my Google Drive because I did take some notes and I told you that I wouldn't take notes, but I have. And the notes are specifically who I would fuck of the cast. Yep. Um, there are right and wrong answers. <laughs> I just want you to know. <laughs> so I'm going to pull up my screen so that I have a split screen so I can look at you in the eyes while I tell you who I would actively fuck. And my first, the first note that I had was Lafayette. Um, v Diggs. Mwah. I looked him up. I just, Chef's kiss. I Chef's love kiss. him. I love him so much. I he wanted Tony for that role. As he should. I yeah. was like. Lafayette and Jefferson. Yeah. I was like, because they reuse. I know that it's very common for plays to reuse characters in different roles, especially if they're like not the same character at the same time, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they did that with like Peggy and then the harlot. I know. The oh harlot. my God. That also brought up. Sorry, not harlot, but have you seen, <laughs> Glitter? <laughs> have you seen Glitter Room? No. Okay, well, do it because you would Great. agree with it. Um, so it's Catherine Ryan's stand-up comedy. It's on Netflix and she is like a pretentious white lady, but she's very like, if you already like Eliza Schlesinger, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, you're going to like it. It's pretty funny. She has an entire bit in that about, it's also very anti-men. Uh, which I stand. We have talked about- Oh, she has the bit about Hamilton, right? Yeah. She talks about say no to this. Yes, I have seen that segment. Yeah. And the whole rest of the thing is like, great. I think think that that is like a particularly self-indulgent thing that she wants to sing Hamilton because she likes the tunes and she's, but she's funny and she's good. But she has an entire part where she's like, I disagree with this because you are abusing your power as someone who is local representative (laughs) to (laughs) someone who is like clearly impoverished and young and- in an abusive situation and you're taking advantage of her vulnerability. And I went into this having already seen Glitter Room and being like, yeah, fuck Hamilton. I cannot believe. And then I watched it and I was like, I think there are some nuances that I'm not getting here. Yeah, for a little little bit of context for our listeners uh, that are not familiar with Hamilton, even though you should be at this point. I mean, um, you can you can have my Disney Plus password if you have not seen it yet. Please watch it. But uh, we're talking about specifically second act. Say no to this when Hamilton meets Mariah Reynolds and is involved in like the first big American sex scandal in politics. And Hamilton has a whole song about where like Mariah Reynolds comes up and is like, please fuck me. And he's like, Lord, show me how to say no to this. I don't know how to say no to this. And this comedian that Christine is talking about saw that part in the show and was like, just say no. <laughs> It's not hard to say the word no. So that's what we're talking about. 
And at this point, also, Hamilton has, like, a family that he is basically neglecting. Like, his wife is on vacation, and he has already nearly had an affair with, like, his wife's older sister, and he is choosing to work instead of go and, like, be on vacation with his family. That was that was a John Mulaney talking through my burp moment right there. Sweet. Just, I want you to know. But I 100% understand why this appeals to you specifically, because... The choreography is incredible. And I need to, I need to flashback. So as our listeners may or may not know, I am not familiar with very many musicals, but I have seen some. And specifically, you and I together saw Hades Town on Broadway. And the oh stage God. mechanics I thought about it every day. <laughs> the stage mechanics are the same. Um, and so I was wondering if you know what stage this was first like debuted on. Because Yes, the Richard Rogers Theater, which is not the same theater that we saw Town in because Hamilton was still running and it is still running technically. Okay. But the rotating stage is what you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a common mechanic. I think I've actually shown you in particular a few different shows already that have the rotating stage. Shrek had one, surprisingly. Yeah, Shrek, um, Shrek Hamilton had has not one. the same one. But like I was, I was so thrown back and I think that that was possibly also part of my enjoyment of it. It was that it threw me back to like that. And so like, I think that that, was I was able to put myself like squarely in a crowd drinking like a cocktail at Hades Town that cost like fifty dollars, <laughs> <laughs> and in the nosebleed section of Hades Town, and like Hades Town was another one where I was like I would let any of those actors shit in my mouth. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> specifically Hermes, I know that he's probably a seventy-eight-year-old <laughs> Andre de Shields. Yeah, <laughs> love, love him. But I have so many notes about just like what I enjoyed about Hamilton. I think the casting was brilliant. I think, Aim, I think from what I know and what I've heard, Lin-Manuel Miranda is like, he wanted to have diverse casting and he wanted to show diverse voices. And I really, really appreciated that. I thought that like, it was not, it was very much every single person who was cast was cast because they were good for that role and not because they looked a certain way or behaved a certain way. I thought Peggy was cute and then hot when she was the adulterer yeah mariah reynolds mariah reynolds i thought eliza was fucking gorgeous had one of the most beautiful voices philippa Um, sue is the name of the actor and she's incredible she was i thought i was i went into this expecting to hate hamilton i i truly did um not the play but the person um and i don't think that i came out of it not hating him i think i came out of it acknowledging that people are complex and a product of their time and everything is more nuanced than what I originally think it's going to be. But I thought that the character of Eliza was sweet and strong. And I think that like they did their best to not downplay the importance of the women behind the movement, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think Angelica, um, where was her fucking English husband the entire time was my other thing. Because she was just like, I'm going to go on a long voyage across the sea on a different continent continent from my husband and like see my he He went to england with him and then she came back just to visit right but that's like a long visit to do by yourself i mean he might have been there who's to say i think that also this entire thing was probably cleaned up more i think that hamilton was probably more of like a sexual scumbag than he was portrayed because all men are fucking fight me um (laughs) come for me i swear to god but I thought Angelica was, like, a very powerful person. I expected, after our conversation on, like, how the plot progresses, I expected for Angelica to hate her sister 
and for it to be a like girl against girl showdown that I was not going to be for because that feels anti-feminist to me. It feels very much like playing women against each other when men are the problem. And in all seriousness, like people are people, nothing is black and white and everyone has faults. But this is a classic stereotype of women in love triangles and I think that it is overplayed and doesn't do justice to the women and men involved because it doesn't assign blame correctly but I felt that the entire show was very much like women trying to support other women within a patriarchal society I thought Angelica was much more aware of like the actual situation in which her sister was in and how precarious it was and like doing her best to honor and support her sister and knowing full well like she doesn't necessarily think like oh my sister's a dumb bitch but she is recognizing that like my everyone has very redeeming qualities mine are my wit my smarts my intellect my sister is the most loyal kind person that you will ever meet and that is incredibly valued Um, And everyone, I don't think that that can be understated, is kindness and loyalty are some of the best qualities to have in a person, and she recognizes that and truly values that in her sister, which I don't think when we talked about it was emphasized enough to me. Yeah, and it's not even quite, like, they're both attracted to Hamilton, and Hamilton is, like, attracted to both of them, but Mm -hmm. it's never quite, like, a triangle. Yeah. Uh, Because even from right from the beginning, uh, like, Angelica's whole song is a flashback. Mm -hmm. Um, After the marriage, the minute that they met, she was like, there was definitely a spark there, but my intention was never to actually go for it. My intention was always for me to do it for Eliza. So they're never even really competing. And even when, like, he cheats on her, she's totally team Eliza the whole way. She comes all the way back and is like, Mm -hmm. I'm not here for you, you know? You suck. Yeah. The sister loyalty. We love it. We love to see it. Yeah. Yeah. We we like women supporting women. Um, The choreography was fucking fantastic. It was so good. Which I know that part of it is going to be lost on me, but please tell me all of your thoughts on it. So I actually have some very complex, complex is a strong word. Um, But I have a lot of feelings about it because when I actually first saw it, I didn't really like the choreography. I've since come around. I didn't really like it because, I mean, part of it is that I have a dance background. So my brain is already like choreography oriented. Mm -hmm. And when I had been like blasting the soundtrack for months and months and months up until I had seen it, I already had an idea of how I thought the choreography was going to be. And then the choreography just like didn't match it. So that's on me. You know, when you like read a book and then the book turns into a movie and it's just not how you pictured it. So you're like, it's sex, even though. I think it's, I think it's slightly different for me because even though I'm a horrendous singer and I will never, I will never curse you with my voice. um, I do have like a background in chorus and I know how hard it is to sing and dance at the same time. And like me and the rapidity in which they were speaking lends me to applaud any they were doing with other parts of their body. But I thought like the, it was clearly modeled for the stage that it was given. Like everything was very specific. I thought the entire setup was very intentional and I liked it. I thought it was great. I thought it was a great show. Yeah. My first, like, I don't know, complaint is a strong word about the choreography is that I also find like my biggest critique of most works is that I think the music tells you when it calls for stillness. I think Mm -hmm. people tend to over choreograph. People are afraid to just have like stillness on the stage and have everybody just like stand and focus on the words or where they're standing or something like that and they are moving a lot in the show at first I felt kind of unnecessarily even when the music was quieter even when things were a little gentler but they were still like 
flailing around and I was like that seems weird it feels like we're just trying to fill the space but that's fine but then on the second watch when I saw it on Disney plus and I've actually seen it two or three times on Disney plus at this point now and I've done some research on the choreographer on Andy Blink and Bueller and the thing that I sort of put together is that it's not all choreographed on the music and like the beats it's choreographed to the mindset of the person who's singing so Mm -hmm. when Hamilton is singing Hamilton, the way he processes information, the way he shares information is there's so many words going all the time. They're fighting to get out. There's not enough room for them to like, like his brain moves faster than his mouth. He's not thinking. And so when he is doing his like, like my shot, like the big numbers, they're like crazy and they're all over the place. And even when he's saying quiet things, they're moving all over the place because he just has so much to get out. And they're Mm -hmm. like, the people are representing his thoughts. Mm -hmm. And then you see the really strong juxtaposition uh when you get to wait for it which is aaron burr's first big song um like the love doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints it takes and it no, takes no, no. i i yeah. i know exactly what you're i have a note specifically about aaron burr which is yeah, but, uh, aaron burr is the kind of guy who would like to edge yeah <laughs> you're correct i thought i'd get a laugh out of you but yeah. like that is that is the one note i have i have one specific time, like later on, when I'm like, I would fuck Amber, but no other point in the entire show would I fuck him. It's just one specific point where I'm like, okay. But I loved his song. I thought it was great. Yeah, and but that was a big song because, like, I mean, it's a big song and there's tempos all over the place and, like, it gets big and it gets small. And I was expecting the choreography to sort of match the volume and the tempo. But the ensemble, like, sits in chairs and just hangs out and are completely still for about... 90% of the song. And because that's how Burr processes information, that's mm-hmm. his whole thing, mm-hmm. is like, take a minute, take a beat, hold your cards close to your chest, don't act, don't move until you have to. Mm-hmm. And they only go crazy when he gets to the end of the song and he's thinking about how, like, Hamilton just goes nuts all the time, but it continues to work for him and he keeps taking and taking and gets what he wants. But when I do the thing that I want, I get fucking nothing. And why isn't it working? And why doesn't it make sense? And as he gets more agitated about it, that's when they explode all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not choreographed entirely on music. It's choreographed as to who is singing the words, which is brilliant. It's brilliant. It's absolutely incredible. <laughs> One yeah, step think, ahead of me, you know? Yeah. I think it's interesting that you say that because, again, I thought it was great. I thought the choreo was great. I think that you articulated how I interpreted it without really – thinking about it if that makes sense which again I approach things from a very different mindset than you do but I have I have someone I'm not sure I think that you might throw me out for saying I'm gonna go down my list of characters and fuck yeah Um, absolutely so my first one is Lafayette slash Jefferson Duffy Diggs can get it oh my god absolutely my next one and this is the one I think you're gonna like stab me through the heart for is King George (laughs) um specifically in costume Specifically in costume. No, I get it. Uh, he's played by Jonathan Groff, who is a very beautiful man. Um, extremely gay, just so that you I, know. Um, I but stand- a very beautiful man with a very beautiful voice, nonetheless. Um, I didn't expect King George to be in it. I know that, like, that is the entire point, is that they're going through the revolution. But for some reason, I didn't expect Britain to be personified through King George and for him to have like a role in the play so I thought that that was actually really funny and he is there for comic relief but I thought he did a great job and I was like I would absolutely fuck him but specifically as King George I want him to wear the costume the entire time that's incredible (laughs) um a little piece of trivia for you one of the early runs I think when they were doing it off Broadway before Jonathan Groff joined uh Mm -hmm. King George was actually played by Brian Darcy James 
who played Shrek in Shrek the Musical. <laughs> then I would not fuck. I would not fuck that. <laughs> I am not I would not, not fuck that. No, no, no. I'm not attracted to Brian Darcy James as much. I think. Well, have you even singer. seen his real face? I have. have. Only I seen looked him, him up because I was like, okay. who the fuck is I was like, who the fuck is Shrek? Like, I need to know. I think I would have to see him in costume because, again, the costume makes it for me. I'm a ba- very big uniform person. Um, <laughs> I love a man in uniform. I truly, truly do. Also, so, like, I am – there are specific moments where I'm, like, absolutely, I would fuck you and then no other part in the in the show. So, Washington, I would also fuck, but specifically when he is, like, halfway through the plot. Like, specifically when he was, like, later on, I'm just, like, God damn, give it to me. Give me your bald head, and I love you, and I want that between my legs. Um, like, <laughs> top of act two, Washington? Yeah. yeah. Um, absolutely. Like, president, like, newly president Washington? Like, newly president. Like, that power just makes me want him so much. Um, Angelica and Liza, but I would want them at the same time. <laughs> and I would want them to fight over me. Guy! <laughs> <laughs> Which is so, so... <laughs> horrible <laughs> but i do yeah, there's like, a few layers there <laughs> yeah um and then james madison oh my god yeah james madison and hercules mulligan oh my fucking god yeah. oh my god um, specifically i did not like him as hercules mulligan but i loved him as james madison and i thought he was more eloquent and so i i specifically only wrote james madison and not hercules mulligan noted yes but yeah that's my list of who i who when would I, you when would you fuck aaron burr um i forget because again this was like a week ago but absolutely not in the first act at all not no way i think it's like halfway through the second act he like, is it uh the room where it happened yes i think so i yeah. feel like that the, i got to be the room where it happened that one i got to be oh my god that's the song that won a miss tony for sure <laughs> that's great the other note that i have is that the girls are so great and pure i love them and that hamilton specifically i wrote ham doesn't deserve them they're too pure correct um, and i think those are all of my notes i really enjoyed it i think like again the novelty with it is that it is a throwback to the 90s hip-hop that a lot of our generation and the generation right above us really love and it is also making a resurgence in popular culture right now um like that entire musical movement is coming back and we are referencing a lot of different decades within music and i think that this hits a huge nostalgia boner for its audience and i think that lin-manuel miranda is is the audience he is the person that this is made for and it is fresh it's new it's contemporary and I enjoyed it. I think that it moves rapidly, which I enjoy because I'm not bored at any point. I don't have to go like, oh, come on. I fucking know this already. Like, I think that the musical numbers are all enjoyable and specific to the person. And Lafayette could get it anytime, anywhere. And I would do anything for him. <laughs> oh, my God. There, we don't deserve to beat Diggs. He's incredible. He's so good. I looked him up and I was just like, I know nothing that – he looks so familiar to me. And I cannot think of a single thing. I did not read a single thing that – I saw that he was in, but I was like, you look very familiar to me. I know he's in a movie. I think it's called Blind Spotting. That was, no. I think, the last movie he did. I know he's currently in the works. I don't know who, what network or what like production company is doing it, but he's currently working on some kind of live action adaptation of Calvin and Hobbes in which he plays Hobbes. Um, I saw a few clips of it and it's cute, cute AF. He was on Sesame Street for a little bit. I will send you. He there, he's like some really excellent appearances on Sesame Street. He's also he has his own rap group. They're called Clipping. Um, oh yeah, I feel like that's if I know anything, that's what I 
know him from. But yeah, any final thoughts, any fun like tidbits about the recording of that? Anything that you know that's like special fun facts? I have about 12,000. Um, okay. So let me know when you get bored of it. Um, can I get some water and then we can go over it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Cool. Sorry <laughs> about that. Um, I had to get some water because as I mentioned to Lana earlier, I had waffles for, for breakfast as part of my breakfast. And um, I have some hot takes about waffles in general, but... <laughs> But syrup makes me the most funny, and so I really need that's some real. Water. Okay, give me all of your fun facts about. I Hamilton. have a bazillion. So, if I'm not mistaken, I think Hamilton broke the record for the one show to win the most Tonys at a Tony season. I think it was the producers before. I don't have the exact number, but let's see who won a Tony. Angelica won a Tony. Renee Elise Goldberry. Oh, she should have. She was yeah. incredible. Aaron Burr won a Tony. He and Lynn Manuel Miranda were nominated for Best Lead Actor. Uh, they gave it to uh, Leslie Odom Jr., who's Aaron Burr. I think so that they could give Lynn Best like original book and lyrics, so they could give him the writing awards. David Diggs, Jefferson and Lafayette mm-hmm. won for Best Featured Actor, but like they were all nominated. Like I'm pretty sure Anthony Ramos, who was John Lawrence and Philip, I think he was nominated. Uh, so was. Uh, Washington. So it was Chris Jackson. And it won Best Choreography. It won Best New Musical. It won, um, I think, Set Design, Costume Design, Sound Design. The guy um, who plays, um, you said John Lauren and, and Philip, uh, yeah. he wasn't on my I'd fuck them list, but he, if I had a slightly less aggressive, like, I'd let him do other things to me list, he'd be on that list. I feel like he's probably short, which I'm not he opposed is short. to. Yeah. Um, but I would let those lips meet lips and not necessarily on my face. Yeah, he has like a budding music career. He just dropped an album and he has a few music videos that are like his songs are sexy as fuck. And he and Jasmine Cephas Jones, who plays Peggy and Ryan Reynolds, mm-hmm. met uh, doing this show and now they're engaged and she's in a lot of his music videos. I love that. that they're going to be tracks. married. They're That's cute so as shit. They're cute as fuck. Mm-hmm. What else? Let's talk about the bullet which I've just learned about. Um, okay. the, the bullet is a part of Hamilton that is sweeping the musical theater internet. And okay. the bullet is um, a name that they give to a specific ensemble member who, if you go back and ever watch it again, she's played by Ariana DeBose. She's the ensemble member that has like her curls like pinned to the top of her head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, she represents like the literal physical bullet that kills Hamilton in the end. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, And you see her for sure, like, at the end when Aaron Burr, spoiler alert, fires the bullet. And then there's that whole, like, spoken word moment. And you can see her, like, holding the bullet. And as he talks, Mm -hmm. it moves closer. Mm -hmm. But it it starts from the beginning. Um, The way that she is blocked and choreographed. It's another example of how everything in the entire show, from every word that is said to every single step any audience member takes, is completely intentional. Like, nothing was on accident. Every single teeny tiny little detail was planned from the very beginning. Which is something um, that, like, I am a whore for, and I know that you were also a whore yeah. for. Yeah. So she starts really, like, from the top of the show. She's always on the other side of the stage of Hamilton, and mm-hmm. wherever she's placed in dance break, she gets closer and closer and closer mm-hmm. as the show goes on. Um, she's the first person to die in the show, so she becomes a, like, omen of death for the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. Right after King George's first little song, mm-hmm. there's, like, a teeny tiny little ensemble moment where the bullet, Ariana DeBose, is a spy and one of the red coats come up and just like snap her neck. 
and we see it for like a second. So she's the first to die. Yeah, and then I remember from that. there, from there, she becomes an omen of death for the rest of the time. During the Battle of Yorktown, she helps John Lawrence kill a, a redcoat and they like shake hands after. And then as soon as the song ends, John Lawrence is the next to die. That's when they're reading the letter saying that he's dead. She also, right before Philip dies in the second act, um, when he does his first little song of like, I'm just like my dad and I'm going to go oh to God. the theater. I have <laughs> so many thoughts and feelings and opinions. Tell me your fact and then I want to like have a quick minute about. <laughs> She's the one that tells him where George Egert is. So she points him towards the person that mm-hmm. kills him. He's literally flirting with death because they have a little like flirty exchange. And then he goes to meet Roger Egert and then he dies. So he's also the next person to die. So she kills that actor twice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah next time you if you, i mean next time you watch it watch for her mm-hmm. because as the show goes on she gets closer and closer and closer to him every time there's any sort of battle is always the one that sort of runs by him to symbolize like death is always coming hamilton is always sort of running from death whenever he writes if he's ever like sitting at a desk mm-hmm. she does some sort of like passing motion through him because he writes his way out of like a doomed existence Mm -hmm. He was going to die when he was still, like, before he came to America and he wrote his way out. She does a lot of, like, crossing back and forth whenever he's, like, down writing at a desk because writing is what kept him alive. Writing Mm -hmm. is what helped prolong his meeting with death. Mm -hmm. And when they are finally next to each other, the only time when they're finally, like, equals on the stage is the very end when the Mm -hmm. bullet makes contact. It's fucking fascinating. It's fascinating. It is fascinating. I see that metaphor. I kind of... Not to be like, I got it because I'm so smart, but like I, I had already noticed her. I had clocked her pretty early on. And like I did notice like the whole bullet thing, but it's it's interesting that you put it like more into words. So like I probably will watch this again because let's be real. Like I get bored and I like, instead of processing new stuff, it's easier to process stuff that you're yeah. to process. Um, but yeah, it's that she's the bullet the whole time and it starts like she's just like a normal ensemble member until she gets killed, mm-hmm. until she gets her neck snapped. And then from there. All of a sudden, yeah. her, it, her new character is the one that kills Hamilton. Yeah. And if awesome. I'm not mistaken, I think the director told her that and nobody else when they were in rehearsals. So it was just like a secret that she knew. No one so knew that death was coming at the time. Did Lin-Manuel Miranda direct it and star in it? He didn't direct it. He got okay. Tommy Kale, who I think directed In the Heights, which is the other show that Lin wrote. Longtime friends. He and the music director and the director director have worked together a lot interesting i like that uh i have a moment about philip yeah i just think it is the the bullshittiest thing in the world for a father to be like ah yes handle a gunfight with dignity and fire because at any as someone who has like very strong opinions about firearm safety i've grown up around firearms i I have a, like, I do not necessarily support it. It is a very complex issue. We can talk about it more at a different juncture if we ever focus on a show that talks more about firearms. Um, But, like, the fact that you would ever enter into a duel and assume that the other person is not going to try and kill you, I recognize this is a product of its time, but, like, the amount of toxic masculinity that first encourages the duel because he's like, I have to defend my father, blah, 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 blah. I'm just like, bro. But yeah, like the amount of, I know that like toxic masculinity is definitely a tool for describing behaviors now and was not necessarily, obviously not recognized as part of that time, but just the amount of unnecessary pride 
to sequence life on the reputation. And I, I, again, I understand that like reputations are a type of credit system where you can buy and pay for things with your reputation at that point. But it just makes no, why, why the cockiness that you would need to be like, I'm going to go to a duel and then I'm not even going to shoot it, it, just because I'm going to defend my father's honor. Like, fuck your dad, live your life. Yeah, I know, at least at the time, the firearms that they were using, it was a yeah, lot harder to kill people yeah, with particularly them. particularly difficult, yeah. I do know that as well. Um, and also, just, like, like, this guy sucked because uh, Roger, at least in the show, um, didn't follow the rules. You know, it would have been one thing to shoot on the count of ten and hit him, but he shot on the seven. He, like, didn't even. So he oh, sucked in general. I didn't realize that he shot on the seven. But, yeah. yeah, I just thought that that was an incredibly highbrow way to approach any kind of firearm thing um and i just i i don't i i'm so conflicted because like i know that part of it i need to look at the lens of the time and the setting but the other part of it is just like live your life for yourself not for your father not for anyone around you like be who you are and treasure your existence um and part of that is like obviously personal journey because i struggle with existence on an existential level as like a part of my daily life and I'm fine keeping this in the podcast but like I just think that that is such an unnecessary waste of life and I think it's very prevalent that they specifically use an actor of color to demonstrate multiple deaths throughout and specifically like victims of gun violence I thought that that was obviously intentional because the casting was intentional but I think it speaks specifically to the makeup of America now and what Lin-Manuel and Miranda hopefully pictured as the intention of the forefathers to have like a diverse and unified states. And I don't think that that's necessarily what actually is, but I think that it is very powerful in its messaging. Yeah. uh, That's all. That's all good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are very obviously some things that are dramatized for the sake of a good show. Yeah. Um, I know it's coming under fire right now because they, they talk about slavery a little bit in the show. Mm-hmm. They do mention that they are abolitionists, even though, like, 95% of the people on stage were slave owners. Mm-hmm. Jefferson was 100% a slave owner. Uh, yep. That's addressed, but, like, yeah. I'm pre- Hamilton might have been a slave owner. Um, Washington was a slave owner. John Lawrence might have been a slave owner, even though in the show he's very abolitionist. I'm not super sure that that's true. But people are bringing it under fire. and. Lin-Manuel Miranda has been great about saying, like, you're right. And the reality of that is, like, you know, he is a guy. He's not a god, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, flawed people write flawed work because people are flawed. Yeah. And it does a lot of other work, and we are acknowledging that, yes, it is dramatized. Yes, it's not exactly history. Mm-hmm. You know, if you wanted exactly history, read a textbook, although not a yeah. lot of the textbooks that are taught in schools right now because they're extremely Eurocentric. Yeah. Um, but if you wanted exact facts, you would read a book. And I haven't read the Hamilton biography that this is based off of, but it might be more clear about that. Mm-hmm. Same with like, I think we talked about it in the intro before, while I was telling you the plot, but Aaron Burr was not nearly as sympathetic as he was in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, in the show, he is an extremely dynamic character. You feel for him. You know, he like loves a lady that he can't have. He loves his daughter. He goes to like he ends up shooting Hamilton a because it might have been an accident because he's a terrible shot and he might have intentionally tried to miss is the Mm -hmm. subtext of that fight Mm -hmm. um and he really thought Hamilton was going to shoot at him and Mm -hmm. he says like 
I will not let this make an orphan out of my daughter. Like he says that he does that out of self-preservation. And then after he does kill Hamilton, he like wants to go to Hamilton, but people usher him away. And then he goes to like get a drink out of numbness. And what actually historically happened is that he shot Hamilton. He just like went to a bar to get a drink. And people were like, hey, didn't you just like fucking shoot Hamilton? And he was like wildly unapologetic. I think even at his trial, he did not feel bad. He seemed to show like a concerning lack of remorse for doing what he did. Um, so Aaron Burr like kind of sucked. So did Hamilton. At no point during this entire thing was I sympathetic towards Hamilton. I thought he was, I think it's intentionally portrayed that he's like an asshole who is ambitious to the point of misery at several points. That's the entire characterization of Hamilton is that he is so brilliant that he is probably like a depressive alcoholic at multiple points. He's like anything to numb the feeling because he feels so strongly. But I want to be clear that I did not, I enjoyed the entire production. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was referential. I thought it was very, very good at multiple different points. And I really enjoyed it more than really any problems that I had with it. But at no point did I actually really like Hamilton um, as a character. And I don't think that you're meant to. I think that this is a dramatization of someone who had a very interesting life, who had a very prevalent role in founding the nation that you and I are citizens of. And it uses a lot of musical devices that are nostalgic to the generation at which it's aimed at. So I, I don't I don't think at any point I truly like liked Hamilton. I liked the characters around him a lot more than the his actual character. And it's the other thing that got me is because you know, I don't think that at any point we're going to try and become like a neutral podcast. We are who we are. We believe what we believe. And I don't think that that we're going to try and have listeners who actively disagree with us, like try to listen with us. But like, I think it's really interesting, like the idea of starting civil unrest and like creating a movement to separate from your original country. I have so many questions on how that would even start and who would be in charge of it. Because there have been like whispers and like movements for you and I are living in California. We've been a California residents and not like that. I think that <laughs> not that I think that we need to be separate, but like there have been actual movements for California to be separate from the US for a long time. There have been yeah. like, plenty of things. But I'm like, how does one even begin to start that? How do you have multiple people that have that idea and then the entire nation is just like, yeah, you know what? They can be in charge of that. I don't even understand how that begins to be okay. Well, I mean, the last time they tried that was you know, the Civil War. Yeah, And that true. was a war. So they weren't into it. No. <laughs> it didn't go well. It did not. It did not. <laughs> so we, we still don't know how to do it. They tried and it failed. Yeah. Pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. I think my last little trivia minute sure. that I'll leave you with, because I learned this about two hours ago, actually. When I, when you watch the recording, um, mm-hmm. I thought that it was maybe just like, hard to follow along the music but it always felt like Lin-Manuel Miranda was kind of rushing it always felt Mm -hmm. like he was like a little bit ahead of the music Mm -hmm. and it always seemed like Leslie Odom Jr. who was Burr um, was like a little bit behind and I thought it just had something to do with like mics and earpieces and like editing and they just didn't couldn't quite hear the music correctly because there's a lot going on can I guess what you're about to say yeah I think that you're about to tell me that that is intentional because Hamilton, like, is so far ahead mentally and emotionally, and Bert, his entire thing is, like, taking a step, process slowly, taking everything in. Yeah, and it's just that even though they're supposed to be equals, 
Mm-hmm. Burr's just always a little bit behind. He can't quite catch up. And he spends the whole time trying to catch up mm-hmm. until it breaks. And then they sing in unison for the song where they're writing the letters back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not equals until Hamilton's dead. Which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but I just like, that's the level of detail. I've said it like a thousand times. That is the level of detail that we're working with. We're like, you are intentionally supposed to be lagging just a hair behind the beat. Like you're pretty much on beat but you're just like a smidge behind while your counterpart is just a smidge ahead. It's brilliant. You know, that's just a level of detail that I think I'll never quite achieve. And I just respect the shit out of it. I don't know why this comparison is coming up for me right now, but like as someone who's like a big, like not super big Redditor, but like a big Pinterester and like a lot of stuff from Reddit makes it onto Pinterest. I'm really reminded of the parts of the Caribbean movies where like every single thing is actually like, that you're like was any of the scene actually scripted because half of it is just like we were just waiting for the reaction of Orlando Bloom and oh yeah we're just waiting for Johnny Depp to like make a face yeah um (laughs) but like a lot of it is like very very intentional and like uh specifically the thing I'm thinking of is in the first movie there is a part where where the Commodore I forget his name is like Jack is Jack Sparrow is the worst pirate that ever was, and he is specifically like the worst pirate that ever was because he was transporting a slave ship and he decided not to deliver the goods to which is the people. Uh, he was like, uh, "Fuck this! People deserve to be free," and then he freed the people. Uh, that is why he is labeled a pirate because he stole goods, aka people, and that's why he's considered the worst pirate and why he is a very sympathetic character. And I don't know why, but like. Pirates of the Caribbean has like an entire fandom that is very detail oriented and the movies are also very detail oriented and there's a lot of different fan theories and that's how I kind of feel about um like that obviously came out when I was I think we were like maybe 10 when the first movie came out like it's like central to our childhood it's like in the background the entire time but that feels very similar as far as movies go to this production that being said I know that Johnny Depp is a problematic character, um, and a lot of the Pirates movies have very problematic things. I want it to be said that, like, separating the artist from the art is not always possible. Um, and we Yeah, I mean, that. everything's a little problematic, just because, like we said before, like, like people, people are, not are not perfect. Le- yeah. You know? People um, are, you know? Flawed people, people flawed. make flawed work. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought the detail is incredible. It is a very high level of theater and music. You can tell that Lynn is a former, like, theater geek um, because it's a culture that you see on, like, Tumblr. It's a lot of big culture that you see with, like, musical theater teen fans Uh um, where this is the kind of thing that they do. They tunnel vision into it. They do a lot of research. They are watching it over and over and over and over and over and picking out these little details. And it's like he knew, you know, it's like he did it for those kids. And you could tell because he was one of those kids. And mm-hmm. I've seen interviews where he was like, oh my God, I would absolutely do that. But it's like he left things in for the kids to yeah. dive into, you know? He he was definitely the Easter buddy. He left so many fucking Easter eggs all around that fucking shit. He's such um, a and bro. Not like, he's such a bro. I'm just imagined a man in a buddy suit shitting out an egg. <laughs> Um, did you imagine Lynn Manuel Miranda in a bunny suit? No, I just imagined like a giant furry just like sitting. Because like, oh, I fully and, like, imagined it's Lynn Manuel Miranda, like his little face is peeking out. <laughs> just through the mouth. You can just see his eyes. 
Oh, I was imagining like a Christmas story where it's got the face cut out, but I liked yours better, where it's like a fully headed. <laughs> like, do you ever zoom into costumes on um, yeah. Amazon and look at people's eyes? We're talking like Disney mascot character. Yeah. Like yeah. that level. Exactly. That level. That's that so much like- creepier. <laughs> so much worse. I think that concludes all of my thoughts. Do you have any last tidbits you want to throw in there? I think that that's probably enough for now. Um, feel free to like DM me if you ever want to chat more about it because I'm just full of just like pointless trivia facts. I um, think also if, to share. if we ever get like a big following, which I'm sure we will because why wouldn't we were fucking marvelous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, we can always add like an addendum, like a 15 minute podcast going over extra fun facts or yeah throw it throw a patreon content or like some extra bonus content up that's just like hey for a follow-up to this um and we'll probably have to do that when things become more problematic as they go on we'll probably have to release like a hey just so you know (laughs) yeah but perfect well i think that that concludes this episode of hamilton i really thought that you would be neutral to it i really thought that it would be like i liked it but so i'm glad that this was the reaction that you had i'm glad that i was wrong um, yeah, I'm also glad that I was wrong because it meant that it was fun. Um, and I, <laughs> I went into it also thinking I would either be neutral to it or not like it, but yeah. I truly, like, truly enjoyed myself. It was a very lovely few hours that I spent with my housemate just watching it and drinking. Shout out to Sea Money. Sea Money. All right. Well, we will see you next time for the next show. You're welcome for listening to It's Broadway Bitch. If you like what we had to say, then please like, rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you have thoughts, feelings, opinions, or stories about theater or what we talked about, you can email us at itsbroadwaybitch at gmail.com. That it's Broadway Bitch with no I in bitch at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at it's Broadway Bitch, no I in bitch. And you can follow me, Christina, at chit and chat for pictures of my cats on Instagram. And you can follow me, Alana, on Instagram and Twitter at Alana Fine Woman, like Feynman, but I'm a lady. Special thanks to Katie Braverman for designing our cover art and Jack Larkin for making our theme music. You can follow them at katie.braverman and at jacksterlark on Instagram and check out the episode description for links. I'm Alana. I'm the Broadway. I'm Christina. I'm the bitch. And we'll see you next time. It's 